Okay, so um, hi everyone. So thank you for tuning into my podcast today. Um, I'm interviewing Marina, who is a parent of a child who is attending a school here in Nashville. And our podcast is sort of going to be an interview. So I'm going to be interviewing Marina about sort of the process and how um, she's decided where to send her child to school. And I'm going to begin by introducing myself and then having Marina introduce herself. And then we'll delve upon some of the questions that I have crafted for us today. So I'm Christina. I'm currently a junior at Vanderbilt University studying special education and minoring in psychology. I'm really passionate about learning about the education system and working with students one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I have some experience with working with students here in the public school district. So um, last year I did my practicum at Aiken Elementary School. So I worked with second and third graders um, who had reading and math difficulties. So I taught them sort of like um, sort of their lessons through explicit and systematic instruction um, and I got to see how the school ran there and currently I'm doing my practicum at the Vanderbilt Reading Center at Ken the Kennedy Center where I'm just student, uh, sort of tutoring students with reading and now you could Marina you could just start to introduce yourself and then we'll go into those questions yeah great uh, my name is Marina I'm a fifth year doctoral student at Vanderbilt in the special ed early childhood program um, I've lived in Nashville now for eight years. Um, I moved here to go to grad school at Vanderbilt for a master's program. And then um, stayed. I have an eight-year-old son who is currently in third grade at Explore Community School. And I also have a 21, 22-month-old son um, who is not in school, but he did go to um, Finney Battle Daycare when, like, prior to the pandemic. Thank you. Uh, also, I like the posters in the back, <laughs> the little drawing. Those are awesome. <laughs> yeah. For all the boys, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll begin with our questions. So I'm going to have you describe to me sort of what, well, you did address where uh, what school your son attends, but like if you could just reintroduce that as well as like what grade he's in, um, the location of the school, the student and faculty composition, which includes sort of their race, like the demographic factors, socioeconomic status, and the number of students and faculty within the school and the type of school that he's attending. I'll do my best. Um, so Explore Community School is a public charter in Nashville. So as a public charter, it's free for anyone to attend the school and it's not a zoned school. So there's no students that are automatically selected to go to explore so you have to apply to go through the lottery system um, it's also connected to the martha o'brien center which is a nonprofit center here in east nashville um, so martha o'brien's within the casey projects in east nashville which is a low-income project area but it's part of this um, larger they got a grant to do i think it's called envision casey to um, redesign the projects to be mixed income housing units. And so there, are, I think are around 100 low income housing units currently. And so there'll be 100 low income, 100 mixed income and 100 high, or middle income and 100 high income units, um, all in the same area. And so Explore was built as part of the chart, as part of the grant um, from that Envision Casey project to be a kind of a high tech, High quality school to serve this mixed income new housing development um, in the Casey community. So uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Talking about so currently it's in its fifth year, meaning, and it started with just 
a kindergarten class. So it started at the kindergarten class and then added a grade level each year. So in its fifth year, it has students from kindergarten through fifth, fifth or fourth, fourth grade, right? Mm -hmm. No, I guess it's in its sixth year because it definitely has fifth graders this year. Um, and at each grade level, there's four classes. Um, each class has about 26 students. Um, so you can do the math on how big of a school it is. I can't right now. And then I'd say in regard to faculty and students, um, it's relatively diverse and that I think there's about 60% of the students would identify as black, um, about 30% as white, and then there's some 10% as either mixed or other. Um, and then I think it's a Title I school, which means it receives federal funding, meaning that there has to be a certain percentage of students that have, um, that live in poverty or have low income. I'm not sure the percentage for this school. And then I would say that the faculty are relatively diverse as well. I don't know the exact percentage, but just like when you look on campus, um, we have a black principal, a black female principal, a white female um, assistant principal. And then I would say not quite half, but maybe 40% of the staff is black. Um, we have one staff member who's Hispanic and um, I'd say a good like 90% of the staff are female with about, I think, three or four males on staff. Okay. Um, it seems that it's like pretty like diverse for the most part, the school, cause like where I, when I attended like my elementary school, cause I'm from Connecticut, it was mostly like, uh, like white students and like white faculty, but like, yeah, that's really interesting for me to see. But um, yeah, like, are there any like aspects that this school sort of like specializes in? Like any, like anything that they like really focus on for their students? Yeah, that's a good question. So Explore has a high focus on project-based learning. Um, so the vice principal or the assistant principal, whatever her title is, she came from kind of a more um, project-based learning style. She's from New York. And so she develops this whole curriculum around um, ways to connect students to their community. So they do projects like, what does it mean? What is the definition of beauty or how can we, um, help the environment and so they have each quarter a project that you're working on that's not necessarily like academic based they connect the academic units to that so they'll use math to uh, math concepts to build like a blueprint so one of the things they did as a whole school is they designed um the students built blueprints and designed the current playground um and so they got to build like just decide what types of equipment they wanted on the playground um and so that's part of what that project-based curriculum brings in that's different than other schools. Yeah, that's that's incredible because that's sort of like integrating both like the classroom knowledge and then applying it sort of out in their like the real world and also like helping the community. That's that's really awesome. Um, and like what are some of the academic and behavioral expectations of students in the school? Um, I think I think the school, to be like honest, I think the school's really struggling on their academic expectations. They scored really low on the 10 ready um, last fall, um, which is, sorry, there's a lawnmower outside. <laughs> um, and so they um, have worked really hard to, to kind of overcome some of those low scores, but we also are in a pandemic. And so with virtual learning, it's harder. Um, 
to do that. So I think they're trying to decide. In general, the school doesn't use standardized testing or GPA to make um, determinations on children's success. And so having, um, they're very goal-driven, so like children's development on particular goals, um, which they have aligned with the Tennessee standards and the national standards. Um, but I think they're struggling with how to teach in a way that's goal-driven, but that also will allow children to reflect success um, in the standardized testing. So I think that that's an area of um, growth for the school. But then um, as far as behaviorally, they have five kind of like core values, or you could think of them as kind of like school-wide behavior expectations. Um, it's compassion, community, craftsmanship. Um, I'm not gonna remember the other two courage, maybe creativity. There's a fifth C. <laughs> they're all kind of like values um, that reach beyond just academic learning and that can kind of encompass like we do our best as a team and we work our hardest and we um, do things that are hard, you know, so it's about like the whole self approach, I feel. Would you say like the school is very like like emphasize sort of like collaboration, like working with like both the teacher and the students. So like the interactions there are like stronger and like fosters a better relationship between peers and like um, the faculty there. It's a really good question. I think that that's the intent. Um, so my background is in um, positive behavior support systems, and I will say the school is not aligned with positive behavior support systems. And so I think the intent is for these values um, and these like school-wide expectations to foster those um, positive relationships. But I think sometimes the rate of problem behavior gets in the way of their intent. Um, so I think that maybe is another area of growth for the school, but it's there's definitely more family involvement at this school than any other school that I've either, you know, been to as a student or visited touring. Um, they have a really strong kind of like PTO that helps across school curriculum. Um, so I think that that is a strength as well. Are you sort of involved in like the PTO? Like how involved would you say are you in your like uh, your son's education? Or, uh, like <laughs> I'm extremely involved. I'm not a member of, it's called a family advisory council at our school, but it serves the same purpose as a PTO. Mm -hmm. um, I would, I've been kind of a representative member in the past at the grade level, so never like a member of that council itself, but, it, but like a board member. Um, I'm not really sure how they call those, but I stepped back this year. It's pretty like it is really involved as far as the hours that you need to commit to be part of that. Um, so often stay-at-home moms serve those roles, um, which I think has a, some benefits, but also some issues in that it's not representing the diverse community if it's just the moms that have the ability to stay at home that can be part of that. Um, but I'm often, you know, anytime there's a time for parents to bring in treats or activities, if, the class, if school's in person, like I'm there regularly, it's harder in this environment currently to be as involved as I would like to be. But, um, you know, I'm on like a texting base with all of the like admin and teachers and stuff. So I have really strong relationships with the, with the staff and other families. Um, so I'd say I'm highly involved, but 
it's harder right now. Yeah, the circumstances that we're in. Yeah, we'll definitely sort of like revisit this like involvement question because I want to see like how that sort of affected your like experience went like after you decided to send your child, uh, like decided where to send your child to school. So then now we'll just dive upon sort of that process, like the decision making. So um, before you were like choosing where to send your son to school, what were some things you wanted for your son, uh, wanted for your son to get out of attending like school in general? It's a really good question. I think my primary, my son is really, really brilliant and I've known that from kind of the onset um, or his birth. So my primary goal in selecting a school was that it was a diverse community. That was really important to me. I grew up in Florida um, and moved from Florida to Arkansas. So I moved from a really diverse community in Jacksonville, Florida to a really homogenous community. And that, um, so I growing up noticed the differences in my experiences based on those two um, areas. And so for me, the primary goal was to find a diverse community. And then secondary goals would obviously be like a strong academic curriculum that was more hands-on and less um, like worksheet based, as well as um, a community. Like I really wanted a place where like we could meet not only his best friends, but that I could meet best friends and that we would really be able to spend energy volunteering and involved with the school. Um, so those are probably my top three. And um, so, uh, like, so you sort of explained the why and like, were there any other like factors that may have, like besides those three main concerns, do you have any other things that you sort of, like other factors that might have played a role in your decision making too? Um, certainly just my experiences that year before making the decision, right? So Isaac was attending um, Ross, which is a public preschool in East Nashville. And I knew several family members that were already at Explore that also had children in the preschool. So I think having, you know, there wasn't, I knew families from several schools and I could talk to them about their experiences and the, the pros and cons. And that definitely helped me see that, that Explore met those three goals. Um, so I think that was definitely why, but hearing from other families um, and visiting some of the schools. So I get, as a researcher, I get to visit some of the schools, which was all, always helpful in making the decisions. And then Metro also does this giant school fair um, at least once a year. And I attended that and met the then principal um, who wrote the grant and the charter for Explore. So talking to him and all of, you know, I talked to all the principals of schools that I was interested in. There were probably five at the time. And he, his passion really is what I kind of sealed the deal for me was, um, you know, that human connection and meeting. He was there and the president of that family advisory council was there. Um, and just like their heart for the school and their vision for the school really sold me. Um, so why did you end up choosing to send your uh, son to a charter school instead of a zone school, like his zone school? So we, at the time that I selected Explore, we were zoned for Sylvan Park, which is an amazing school, but it's um, relatively um, rich white families and it's really close to another school um, that is mainly lower income families of color and we weren't zoned for that school so I just didn't want for him to go into a school where there was so much segregation in the neighborhood so we, we chose to move for that reason as well um, because of because diversity was really important to me um, and so we moved to East Nashville where we live now, um, which is a much more 
you know, it has a bad reputation for the segregation, but I would argue other parts of Nashville. Um, and so it's kind of a hot topic at the moment. There's a couple podcasts about these schools. So I'm sure some of your classmates have listened to The Promise, um, which talks a lot about the segregation of the schools in East Nashville and Envision Casey Project specifically. So for me, that was the primary decision factor um, from our zone school. And I, at the time, to be honest, was relatively naive about what a charter is um, and have learned a lot by attending town halls and stuff. Um, and I, I don't know if I would make the same decision. I think I made the best decision with the information that I had and the goals that I had for him. Um, but I think there are implications around going to a charter school that I just didn't really consider at the time. Yeah, I see. So I see that like uh, primary, like one of your three main concerns, like definitely the first one being like an issue of like diversity. Like um, when you sort of like considered that factor or you like sort of like heavily weighed that factor when making the decision, do you think like, like what are some of the ways that has like impacted your child now sort of like that one for that diversity factor and like, maybe shape the way he like, I don't, well, obviously we don't know the outcome of it, but like, what, what do you think like the benefit of that? will like, what do you predict, I guess? <laughs> um, I think, you know, just given like my one experience, right, with my one kid, but he went, he was at the Susan Gray School, um, which is an inclusive school for kids with disabilities on campus for four of his pre-K years. And then the last year we did it at Ross, but, um, in that experience, his friends were rich white kids, to be honest. Um, and I didn't really connect with the families as much. They were really well-educated doctors and lawyers. Um, and that just wasn't the community that I really wanted us to be a part of. And so when I made the decision to move him to Ross and then to explore, our friend group is much more diverse, both in income, um, life experiences, where we're at, where we're from in the country, our jobs. Um, so I think, I don't know if it was intentional on like, I don't know if it was the school or more of like intentional on who I chose for us to spend our time with, but our, our, um, his friend group, like his primary, like four best friends. And then I'm really good friends with their parents. Um, the, the relationships are a lot stronger. They're a lot more genuine. Um, and we're really just like a really diverse group of, of, you know, I'm a, a student in academia, but they're like, one of my best friends is a hairstylist and another one is like a musician. And so there's like some creative artists in our group, but also some, like another friend works as like in a high, like CEO kind of position at like some big corporation. So I think um, looking for a school where there were more diverse, where more diversity is represented did lead to a more diverse friend group for us. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, were there moments where you sort of like second guessed yourself while making like the decision making where you were like, okay, like I know maybe this, but like, oh, there's another fact, like something here is like telling me that like maybe it's not this, like, um, and maybe you could like sort of like delve upon what exactly they were and like why they sort of impacted your decision making. Yeah, Christina, you know, these questions are quite vulnerable for parents. <laughs> schools in East Nashville. So I'm excited you guys are doing this project. Um, and I think for any of you that haven't listened to The Promise, you should. I second, second guess this decision daily. Um, I think there's so many implicate, there, there were so, there was so much good intention behind the Envision KC project and the building of Explore. I will say that um, it's my one perspective and there's like at least 500 families there. So to talk to the other, the other families, 
before making an like a decision. But I don't think Explore is um, currently intentional enough about anti-racism curriculum that they're going to be able to avoid the issues that will arise when you mix people from diverse backgrounds together. Um, there was, there's like, you know, I mentioned a lot of problem behavior and a lot of that, um, there's a lot of clashes between racial groups, both in the teaching staff. So, you know, there's sometimes in some of the classrooms, especially in the younger age groups, there's two teachers in the classroom. Um, and often for whatever reason, there might be like one white teacher and one black teacher and the clash there between perspectives um, and education level and value systems has led to, to some tension that the schools even reported and Isaac lost his lead teacher last year for that reason actually, um, or at least that's what was reported to me by the teachers was that they just couldn't overcome some issues that, that one of them felt was at least led directly by like racist views. Um, and so I think it's hard because I want to be part of this project and this idea um, where we can build a diverse community that's compassionate and caring and inclusive, but without doing really intentional training for the staff and parents, I think it's gonna fall apart. And I think that's what we saw a lot last year, especially <clears throat> at the beginning of the spring and then like the pandemic forced us all to go home. So we haven't quite seen that play out as much except for you know a lot of families potted up and the, the pods are really homogenous groups and so I think you know there's little learning pods and homes um, and those so the diversity is not happening right now or the collection of people from diverse backgrounds is not happening. Um, I think what brings me back <clears throat> to stay and explore is that my son is really connected to some good friends there. I think if he wanted to leave that we probably would leave um, and and explore some of the other schools, potentially our zoned school. I think we're currently zoned for Rosebank. Um, so I don't know. I think that's something that I really ask myself every day. And I think listening to um, listening to the promise helped highlight some of the issues with with the whole project. Um, and then I think the school not doing what I think they could do to kind of um, support families and students around this issue um, are really leading me to probably not keep Isaac there. It's a K through eight school, so he could stay through middle school. We won't stay past fifth grade. I already know that. Um, we may not stay after third grade. So uh, like, what do you think some of these like issues are sort of stemming from? Like, are they from problems or from like kind of like funding or like problems from, I mean, like we consider like definitely beliefs are like totally different among teachers, but is it like sort of the structure of the school or like, like as in like the system of like the faculty working with like the teachers and the administration working together? Like, are there any like external like factors that are playing a role here that are like not sort of like helping you know, because that affects the students, ultimately. So, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a long history. Um, there's a long history of ignoring some of these issues, especially in East Nashville, and especially with the Martha O'Brien Center. I think um, they're, you know, part of this is just like a deep historical um, issue around segregation in East Nashville. And so I think there are people who are well-intentioned and who would like to do to 
to do some of this work. And I think by people above them, they continue to get told like, no, we shouldn't talk about that. Um, like that's gonna like hurt students or cause pain or lead to trauma when, when what we know what the research says is by ignoring, by being colorblind and ignoring these issues, we actually cause more problems. Um, so I think there's this like, there's still very much in a colorblind space. Um, I do think there's potential funding issues, but I think it's a really well-funded school. So I don't know if I buy that, um, but I think that they would say that the admin would probably say they don't have funding for all of the professional development needed. Um, and I think there's a lack between like intent and, and database. So I think that their intentions are pure and their goals are good, but I don't think they're taking data to see if those are actually leading to the change that they want to see um, across things. You know, we talked about how they have this like really strong belief in project-based learning and a whole child approach, but then their standardized test scores are really low compared to schools around them. And so, you know, you can have like really beautiful philosophical ideas, but if those aren't leading to good outcomes for kids, then you might need to rethink those ideas. And I think that that's you know, that explorers in a place where they could really do that, they could reevaluate some of their structures in a way that still is a whole child approach, but that leads to the outcomes that we hope for. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, that's, that's good. And like, going back to the whole parent involvement, because I know there's like the whole, like, I forgot what it was called, but like, sort of like the parents are also like communicating with both the staff. Do they sort of like, have the same opinion that you do about how the school is sort of running? Or like, are you guys sort of like divided on where you stand? Very divided. I will say that um, there is a group of parents that are in similar standing to me that have been very vocal about the lack of diversity mm -hmm. in the, the parent board. Um, and it's because, of, you know, it's typically stay-at-home moms and it's like, um, there's not a voting process. You just like self-nominate and then you, everybody says like, yes, you can be a, <clears throat> a member. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not intentional enough about recruiting families of diverse backgrounds or having meetings at times that would support families who have a job or in ways, you know, like it's in-person meetings during the day that people typically can't attend. Um, and so that's part of why I've kind of stepped back from a more active role is because I, I was very vocal for, I guess, three years about um, the issues that I see in the direction the school's heading and was continually like shot down or told that like we'll talk about that next year or next meeting um and so i think after a while in a setting like that you just decide that those aren't your people right and so i think that's kind of like my energy is better spent elsewhere where people are ready to hear that message um so there's definitely a group of us that feel this way and probably more than i know since um but i think that the this message is still sent to parents to, you know, you need to support your school. You need to know that teachers are working hard, like don't complain. It's a hard year for everybody. And so there's not a lot of space for problem solving and like criticism right now. It's very much like you are, you should just be cheerleaders for the school. Um, so. So there seems to be like sort of like a lack of like, like common, I guess, like a shared like idea about how the school should sort of like function essentially. And like, and there's like sort of like a very weak communication between both the faculty members as well, like the administration and the parents, I see. Um, like, since we've talked about some of like these like things we could improve, improve upon in the school, like what if you had just like the opportunity to like sort of like re like construct this like or like 
trying to like make modifications or adjustments like what kind of things would you sort of like have this school focus on for students oh dear that's a hard question i think um I think a stronger focus on like critical thinking and science um, would be something that I would like to see the school implement, especially in the older grades. Um, a stronger focus on some sort of like social skill curriculum. So that's my research area. So it's something I harp on a lot. Um, but I think that they would have much less problem behavior and can spend their resources. They spend a lot of time reacting to problem behavior and they have a team of like 12 people that they call their cultural team, which is really like their behavior team. Um, so I think if they would be more proactive around like either some really good anti-bullying curriculum or some anti-racism curriculum or some small social groups, then they could really prevent a lot of the problem behavior they see. Um, so I think if I were to kind of take what it has now and fix it, those are probably my two approaches were to, to have some more critical thinking um, components added and, and some really strong social skills curriculum. Um, and would you have made a different decision if you were to make like a decision about where you were going to send your son, like what, like what school he was like, what, oh, sorry. <laughs> like basically like, would you make a change in the decision if you made it today, essentially? Um, I think that's impossible to answer. And I think it's impossible for any parent to answer that question because you can only make the decision with the information you have at the time. Mm -hmm. And I always made the decision knowing that, that every year I get to remake that decision. So every year I get to select explore. So I value the lottery and the choice system here for that reason. Um, because it is important for me to be able to be an active member of my son and advocate for my son's needs. Um, I think you know, I might decide to move him for fourth grade, but I don't think that if I was, that if we were re-entering kindergarten, um, I don't think I would do anything differently. We have, we've made life, you know, friends that we'll have for a lifetime with that decision. And I think for me, relationships are so important that if all we got out of this experience was the friends that we've made, that that was enough. Um, you know, and I think that we learned a lot of lessons and the struggles that he's had and then I've had trying to advocate for him and other children. So no, I don't think I would make a different decision. Yeah, I but feel I like there isn't really like a right or wrong decision when you're like, because this is a really like complicated topic, you know, it, it is pretty, like I understand, I, well, I can't like be like <laughs> completely understand because I don't have a, like a child myself, but like I could totally understand like this, like this, this, like it's just super complicated, but like I don't really, I also don't think there's like a right or wrong, you know? No. Yeah, and like, um just like I think for my my youngest we will just go to our second school and I will I think that that's a decision that I've made moving forward mm -hmm. um, that we will go to our zone school for elementary and I'll just advocate at that school for the thing for the change that I hope to see um because I, I think what I learned is going to a charter doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna get a better education or a better experience right yeah, it's definitely just, like, a learning process for, like, all of us at this time, like, right, because, like, yeah, it, it is a difficult, because it's, like, you select one in school, and then you just send them there, and that's, like, sort of, you can't just, like, keep, like, pushing them in and out and out, and then, like, going through multiples and trying them out, so, um, like, I mean, and, then, and like, overall, just, like, um, sort of, like, 
I would like for you to describe to me just the satisfaction you have with your son's education experience and sort of like the quality of uh, like sort of like yeah just the overall just like his education experience like at this school yeah um overall I am probably dissatisfied with his education experience um I think that but I don't know that it, had, that it speaks really to the school as much to like a problem at large with our education system. I think we're um, really assessment driven in our education system. And I don't think that that um, speaks to what we need for kids to learn to be successful in the world that we live in. Um, and so I'm, I'm dissatisfied, but I don't know that it's really explore. I think it might just be that I know what he needs. I know that he needs some really hands-on critical thinking application-based learning. <clears throat> and I just don't know if that, that exists currently. And what advice do you have for other parents who are, you know, going through this decision-making process? The only advice I have, which was given to me when I started, is find a school, whether that's your zone school or charter school, that because every school is not going to be perfect right no school is going to have everything that you want and you're going to have to supplement some of the, what you want your kid to experience and so thinking that way you might find a school with a really strong academic curriculum knowing that you're going to put your kid into piano lessons or spanish lessons like outside of the school day or if you want your kid to have like diverse experience and you're willing to get a tutor to supplement the academic. So just think about what you as a family, like what your strengths are, what you can teach your kid that the school doesn't need to teach them. Um, and I think that'll just be, that'll ease your anxiety in the decision-making process. So I knew that as an educator, I could support him in learning the things he needs to learn. Um, so, if, so it wasn't, the academics weren't so important to me in selecting a school. Um, at least for the early years, because I'm an early childhood educator, right? But the older he gets, the more important the academics are going to become for our school selection. So the more likely we are to move um, to somewhere like Meg's, like a magnet school that has like a really high academic reputation. So I think if parents, and also like know that you can change your mind every year. So lots of parents have left Explore and come back or have left and not come back. Um, and so I think not feeling like the decision is a decision you have to make one time and, and stay for 12 years um, necessarily, especially here in Nashville, or at least in East Nashville, where we have like some 52 schools or something crazy. That's, that's great advice. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of like our like last question that, that I had today, but um, yeah, but it was really insightful to like hear about your experience and like, I like it I didn't really realize the sort of like the magnitude like the difficulty of choosing a school honestly because like that's something like I didn't even talk with talk about with my parents but like wow it's just like <laughs> yeah it's a lot but like definitely like I wish you all the best in the process the decision making process and like also the best for your son as well so yeah thank you so much for taking the time to like um do this interview with me <laughs> thank you Thank you, Christina. All right. Thank you. <laughs>